work of art in itself. It is, and that gets us out of a lot of trouble, doesn't it, John? What does? The fact that it's a work of art in itself. Uh, well, does that broaden our sort of allowance? I think so? it does. I uh, think look, most I've, certainly John, it does. Uh, good morning. I've been looking into the possibility of changing that, but I think it's actually quite good the way it's done. It's, oh, yeah, well, yeah. okay. I, it's, just, it's simply that I've been you saying it. so long. Yeah, you're listening to Arts About, and we're sitting here in the Bendigo Bank studio this morning, and you're here with artist-in-residence and cultural sounding board John Baird, the ever-surprising uh, and uh, provocative Mark Stewart, and, of course, me, Sally Bailey. We've got a very busy show this week, uh, trying to pack probably a little bit too much in, but we're going to give it a go. First up, we've got Danny Lacey, who's the Senior Curator at the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery, and he's going to be talking to us about the exhibition that's about to be hung called Play On, The Art of Sport. Uh, That's going to be opening there next weekend. We're also going to hear from Robin Griffiths from the Music on the Hill, Moth, who have an International Women's Day show at the Southern Peninsula Arts Centre, Rosebud, and that's to celebrate women in music with an array of female talent. We're going to hear who they are. And uh, also we've got PBS presenter Jess Fairfax and she's going to talk to us about a series of events she's curating called Café Philosophique des Toilettes. How did I do, Mark? Very <laughs> Very good. Um, that uses the graffiti that most of us will be familiar with that's on the walls of toilet cubicles in pubs to inspire a series of spoken word poetry and philosophical conversation evenings at the Alex Theatre in St Kilda. And that starts this week. Uh, of course, we're also going to have the musings of John and Mark. What are you going to talk to us about today, John? Uh, I want to talk about green paintings and disappointment. Oh, that sounds grim. Not at all, actually. It's just something that happened to me. It was disappointing for someone else, not for me. <laughs> okay, very good. And Mark, what have you uh, got for I'm us? going to give a bit of barnacle sex. Uh, just oh, to keep you on your toes. Fantastic. And, and um, Joe Gutenberg, I wanted to speak about him last week, but we ran out of time. So we did, we did. speak about him this week. All right. Um, okay, well, uh, we've got lots to go on with. I've got a track here to get us going so that we can get Danny on the phone. It's called, well, it's actually by a guy called um, Arthur Lee. He was originally an L.A. hustler. In the 1960s, founded a seminal garage folk and psychedelic band called Love. And this is a track called Everybody's Gotta Live, and it's from an album called Vindicator. Art and sport are perceived to be on the opposite sides of cultural discourse and art practitioners are incensed by the huge financial investments made to the sporting industry and despair at the way in which cuts to our economy in hard times always lead with a diminishment of the arts before the sporting budgets are ever touched. It fuels an ongoing argument about the social validity of both, and in many minds it is an unresolved and inflammatory argument. But audiences for both are not mutually exclusive or as polarised as they may seem at first. And one of Australia's richest prizes, the $100,000 Basil Sellers Art Prize, asks artists to present their take on sport and to question preconceptions and our relationship with it. Since its inauguration in 2008, the Basil Sellers Art Prize has borne witness to shifts in the cultural landscape and the growing discourse and seeks to go somewhere to contribute further to the reconciliation of the two sides. Now, the National Exhibition Touring Support, Victoria, or NETS, as it is more easily managed by tongue, has joined forces with the Ian Potter Museum of Art to share these works with the national audience. Covering entries from the past five, uh, ten years of the, of the prize, Play On, The Art of Sport presents winning works from over ten years of the prize and is coming to the MPRG. 
Senior curator there, Danny Lacey, joins us this morning to tell us about the exhibition due to open there next week. Welcome to Arts About, Danny Lacey. Thank you, Sally. Hey, Danny, where do you sit on the cultural divide? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm definitely on the fence. I grew up playing a lot of sport. I'm a very passionate sport supporter and lover, um, but I'm also extremely passionate about the arts, so uh, I can appreciate uh, both sides of the coin. Um, yes. Yeah, definitely, and it's, I guess it's, it's with that passion that I'm really excited that this exhibition is coming to the NPRG yeah. to present um, some really high-quality artworks um, featuring the, the subject of sport. Um, well, that's probably a very, very sensible position to be sitting, um, given your position with this uh, with this <laughs> exhibition. Yeah. Um, uh, is this exhibition meant to introduce art uh, uh, to the you know the art going public to sport, or is it to cast a critical eye upon it? Well, I think it's a bit of both. Actually, it was um, when Basil Sellers. I guess, initiated this award back in 2008, there wasn't really a lot of discussion in the art world about sport, to be honest, and there wasn't a lot of artworks necessarily being made about sport. So I think this prize really made that front and centre and it, it, um, a lot of artists who may not have openly um, acknowledged that they were big supporters of sport um, came out of the woodwork. And so I think you have some really interesting... Um, artworks being made across a whole range of mediums that mm. show quite a, a, a broad perspective um, of sport. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is really interesting because uh, amongst those audiences, of course, in the great Venn diagram of life, they obviously cross, and there's obviously people who like both of those things. But there's also people who sit way left and way right on those things. Do, yeah. you, do you think that something like this helps to draw them together? I think so, yeah, definitely. And I think, um, like, one of the interesting things to sort of think about as well is that artists and sports people are quite similar in a way in terms of how they experience success and failure, some of their triumphs and disappointments. And I guess to be the best in their field, they have to have a lot of training and discipline and dedication and commitment to their practice. So it's quite nice to think about that, um, artists and sports people, how they, the similarities, I guess. Mm. But I agree with you that um, a lot of people are either one or the other. Uh, they might not necessarily be into art, but they're definite uh, mad sports supporters. But I think this exhibition is a great introduction to um, the general public that um, art is accessible and sport is quite a good way to, to do that. Mm. Let's hope it does draw some audiences over from the dark side into the light. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Danny, hi, it's Mark Stewart. I met you um, uh, during your Coast show, which I thought was excellent. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yes. And I'm just wondering, do you have any, um, do you have any of the Sydney Nolan footballer um, paintings in the show? Or is it just no, contemporary stuff? No, we don't. So all of the artworks are exclusively from the five exhibitions that um, the Basil Sellers art prize oh, okay. was spread over. So, yeah, mm. the, the, the artworks are drawn exclusively from those exhibitions. Um, unfortunately, there's not um, the scope to include those historical works, which would be really actually quite nice. Yes, yes. And, um, and do, do you know the French artist Nicolas de Stael, who did a lot of footballers as well, some very beautiful paintings, almost abstract of football, uh, mostly soccer players? No, I'm not no, familiar with he, him. He's worth um, looking up. Yeah. We do actually have um, a, another exhibition by the artist John Campbell, who won 
one of the Basil Sellers. Um, we've got a selection of his works that relate to art and sport as well. So there's a little bit of a historical sort of edge having that exhibition. Um, oh, it's on, on at the same part. time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks. So what are we going to see? How many artists, participating artists, are being hung in this exhibition, Danny? Yeah, well, we've got heaps of artists. There's about 15 artists in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, there's quite a lot of video work, actually, in the, in the exhibition. There's about 10 video works. And they are very broad-ranging uh, in what they present. Uh, there's some beautiful paintings, actually. Um, two of the winning works, so Richard Lua, who won back in 2016, has created a series of these beautiful paintings um, featuring sports people that I'm sure a lot of people will recognise, uh, Buddy Franklin and Nick Rewald, even Nick Kyrgios uh, throwing his racket down in disgust. Um, so it's quite nice to have some of those larger paintings and some sports people that everyone will recognise being on show. Um, the exhibition takes up two-thirds of the MPRG mm-hmm. across two big galleries. Um, there's some sculptural work, uh, really actually interesting um, video work. The video works will be quite interesting for people as well. Yeah. Because that is something that's interesting about the prize is that it's very, very general, isn't it? It, it, it invites artists to comment on sport in, in their way, but it, it doesn't determine a medium, does it? No, and I guess that was the great thing about the prize is that anyone could enter that um, no matter whether you're a ceramicist or you made video work or you're a painter or sculptor. So, yeah, it's quite nice to come in and see that cross-section of media. Obviously, there's some really great big paintings, but there's also um, a beautiful ceramic vase and um, some other sculptural work as well, which is really nice at the show. How long does it run for? So the show goes for uh, about eight weeks. Mm-hmm. All of our exhibitions at the MPRG go for about eight weeks. And uh, the show runs into... Um, end of April. Fabulous. Um, and a little bit like the Basil Sellers Art Prize itself, I, it, I've just been noticing over the last six months or so that the MPRG itself has been branching out into quite a lot of different technologies and we've ha- uh, the, you yourself do quite a lot of um, talks on web these days, don't you? About yeah, that's right. We have a, a series of podcasts that we've been recording for the last six months and look, the, the podcasts are a great... Um, resource for anyone to be able to access information about our exhibition program. Uh, I'm quite often interviewing artists that are in our exhibition program and we usually talk for about 15 to 20 minutes um, talking about why people became artists, how they make work, the process behind their work. It's a really great insight into the lives of artists. So we've got that series of podcasts on our website and on iTunes and uh, we're going to continue to make those through the year uh, with every exhibition, we'll always have one or two podcasts. So it's a great resource that we can have online for people that might not be able to come into the gallery or just want to listen to the podcast at home. Yeah, and, and glean a little bit more uh, information on, on other levels, absolutely. What's coming up? Well, we've always got um jam-packed exhibition program in here. Um, what we've got coming up, uh, a, a project that I've co-curated um, it's an exhibition of propaganda posters from the Australian War Memorial Collection. Oh, um, so I've worked with uh, a curator up at the War Memorial called Alex Torrance, and we've selected 45 um, posters that uh, go back to the First World War all the way through to the Second World War, um, even some peace sort of anti-nuclear um, protest posters. 
definitely, I guess it's a bit more of a design sort of bend. Um, but yeah, I'm really fascinated with the typography and design of those posters and obviously the messages that are within them as well. So that's coming up in May and um, May and June. Well, um, as we're not surprised, there's always incredible things going on there. And it's been great talking to you today and having you on Arts About Danny. We'd love to do it a little bit more often because, uh, uh, you know, you and the gallery are bringing us here on the Mornington Peninsula some stunning stuff. Thanks so much for talking to us today on Arts About. Great. Thanks for your support, Sally. Wonderful talking to you. See you soon, Danny. Okay, bye. Bye. You're listening to Arts About on RPPFM with Sally John Mark and we've just been talking to Senior Curator at the MPRG Gallery, Danny Lacey, about the exhibition Play On, The Art of Sport, due to open there on March the 2nd, running through until the 29th of April. Next up, we have a guest in the studio, Robin Griffiths, who's talking to us today and he is the creator and curator of Music on the Hill, or Moth, as we like to call it. They've got an, a special event coming up again this year at Southern Peninsula Art Centre on Friday, the 2nd of March, and it's a celebration of women in music with an amazing array of talent. Thank you so much for coming into Arts About today, Robin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to, talk, great to see you again. This event, it kicks off the um, A Woman's Place too. The, the, the festival we had Carol Pachulo on last week talking about the festival that she's running um, out of back but you're starting off you're starting the ball rolling on the Friday night aren't you that's right we're part of um, a host of events um, at uh, the Southern Peninsula Arts Centre the Secondary College Theatre which is amazing amazing facility so we can get more people in there so we've got um, at least five acts on uh, next week oh, sorry it's this week isn't it this coming Friday yep. yes. um, <laughs> we've got Rebecca Barnard um, who is uh, a bit of a legend really um, she was in Rebecca's uh, Empire and done a lot of solo stuff, and she's 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 a f- really funny um, performer as well. She's a great entertainer. So I've she, actually never seen her live, so I'm looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, she's she's great. Um, so she'll be playing um, solo and also a special guest playing guitar with her. Um, we've got a few special guests. Uh, oh, is that up a secret Friday. special guest yes. that we're allowed um, to talk about? Oh, okay, uh, you'll, that should you'll be enticing. Yes. Um, we've also got Zani Kolak, who is an incredible um, performer as well. She plays um, uh, violin with loops and pedals, and um, she's got a backing vocalist, and she's incredible. I'll check her out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Zani. That's Zani with an X, isn't it? Zani with an X, yes. Yep. Um, she she. So, solo, she's Zani, just Zani. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got Karen Fields, who's um, an alt-country singer-songwriter from New Zealand. Uh, again, she's her, she's a very funny lady as well. Um, and a young lady from the Dandenongs called Girl on the Hill. No mm. no relation. Oh, so she's not a cousin or anything. <laughs> no, so we've got goth at Moth as well. Um, as I say, some special guests as well. It's just a great night. Um, and it's not just um, a female audience. We have probably half and half, probably about 45% men came last year. It's such mm-hmm. a, a big thing. I mean, I've got a soft spot anyway for... for Solo singer-songwriters, so um, we're about 50-50 over the three years, mm-hmm. uh, which I know is very topical at the moment. Under-representation, under yes, absolutely. Yes, so we're about 50-50, so with, with this we probably go above. Oh, that's <laughs> very good. Well, there'll yeah. be a lot of people, a lot of women that'll be very happy to hear mm. that. And we do have some extraordinary female performers, and yes, there is a bit of an unrepresentation, certainly in the industry. It's tough out there. That's right. Um, so this is the second of your International Women's... I don't know, the third. Is it the yes. third? Yes. The second in Rosebud, yeah. 
Fantastic. Uh, how is Moth going? I've, very I've, well, yeah, yeah. We're still kind of going from strength to strength. We've got Dan Sultan in April. Very, very pleased to, to be able to announce that on the radio. Yeah, that'll sell out. Um, yes. And we've got some bands coming up um, this year as well, yeah. Now, you are, your, your organization runs with a subscriber base, doesn't it? Um, we have a membership. A membership, um, I should say. You don't have yep. to be a member to come, obviously, but... Um, they support us, um, so it's a kind of a, it's it's a real community event. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a music club, really. Yeah. Mm. And how do people become a member if they're interested, or or what's the best way? Because lots of people uh, talk about Moth, but in fact, actually, if you're looking at it on looking for it on the web, it's Music on the Hill. Music it? on the Hill. Yes. Dot com. Dot au. That's right. That's the website. That's yeah. right. So everything's there. Just go to the website. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming and talking to us today. We'll put a link on our Facebook page. Oh, I think I have done so already, actually, so that people can find it and uh, buy tickets through your website. And, uh, yes, you better get in early if you want to get to see Dan Sultan at one of these events because I suspect that that will be a hot one. Thank you so much, Robin Griffiths. It's great to talk to you today. Thanks, Sally. Thank you, Swanee. Uh, Sally. Yes, John. And Mark. I... uh have had some experience in the past with art dealers telling me don't bring me green paintings because apparently they're difficult and uh, we've been having a bit of a chat about this mark and i can think of a number of green paintings there's no doubt you can that are um well perhaps notorious in art history even what about rousseau for example his paintings are pretty green aren't they who rousseau Oh, yes. Well, you know, foliage. Plenty of foliage there. Um, Van Gogh was very good at a green ground behind a portrait. Um, Klimt. Manet. Manet. The Malachat. Yeah. And uh, let's face it, Cezanne, you know. Yes, so uh, much green. Cezanne is key to it all, of course. But I've been told the same thing, uh, and I've often wondered, what is it? Why is it just because it's something new, which has happened in the last few few years? Or? I don't know. Apparently people find green paintings difficult to have in their house. Well, it is a symbol of, of jealousy right. and maternity. I wonder if it's one of those and things, you know, like the letter K apparently is extremely attractive to people. If you have the letter K in something. Oh, God, I've never heard of that, and I've, nor have I ever been particularly turned on by the letter K. No, me either. Mm, I have. Uh, yeah, well, that's like Kentucky Fried <laughs> Chicken. haven't you been turned on <laughs> no, by that's that? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with K. It's a lovely no. at the anyway, beginning, at the end of a word. Being <laughs> having been told by this art dealer that green paintings were no good, I set out to make a particularly green painting, uh, which was a head and shoulders of a woman, with, predominantly green, with a black and white checked bodice, and uh, it kind of worked, you know, black, white, and green, mm. and uh, it looked alright. There was a sort of a vague smear of red across the lip. Um. And it sold, of course, quite quickly. Uh, when I was in the gallery uh, talking to him about that... And about the fact that it sold, yeah. and it, it, even though don't he didn't want me, it. Don't bring me green paintings. Mm. And how about that? Look at that. That mm. sold pretty quickly. And we were having a chat about that. And a, a woman walked into the gallery and she said... She took me aside and she said to me, I just absolutely adore that painting. And I'm wondering... Could you make it again? Could you make that painting again? And uh, I thought about it for a moment and I needed the money. (laughs) 
And I said, yeah, I reckon I can do that. And I took a photograph of it and I set up a a little projector in the studio, projected the painting up onto a panel and remade it. Wow. And I got some of the colours exactly right, I reckon. In fact, it looked very, very, very much the same. And uh, she was delighted with that and I got the money that I was delighted with. A couple of weeks later, Mm. I got a phone call from the woman who'd bought the first painting (gasps) that was at the gallery, and uh, she let loose a stream of vile language that you rarely hear coming out of the mouth of a Brighton housewife, (laughs) including plenty of use of the C word, and all directed at me in the most pejorative way you can imagine. Good grief. And I said, what's up? And <laughs> she said, that woman that um, bought that other painting that had, that you made that painting again for buys everything that I buy. She buys the same furniture. She oh. buys the same clothes. She, buys, uh, she doesn't live very far from me. And it she drives copied. me absolutely nuts. And I said, oh, look, I didn't know about that. And I'm sorry to hear about it but there's not sure I can do much about it and she said well the least you can do I think is to ring that woman and let her know that we're aware of what's going on and that it's upsetting us and I wasn't sure that that was my job no that sounds like an (laughs) awkward position to be in to me but I rang her anyway and under the um pretending to ask her how the painting was and if everyone was happy and I rang her up and while I was talking to her I said I had a call from the owner of the other painting who said that you uh, bought the painting because she had that one and you buy buy other stuff because you did it brave I started the conversation and she said to me she is completely and absolutely off her nut that woman in fact she copies everything that I do and that the only reason I got you to copy that painting was to indicate to her what it's like when someone does it. Oh. So that was her argument. You're stuck in the middle. Well, I had, was in the habit of going to um, the uh, Florentino Cellar Bar and having lunch on a Saturday afternoon. There was a young woman there who wrote feature articles for a woman's magazine. And I told her the story which she was absolutely thrilled by. And uh, I told her that I'd give her the names and addresses of these women (laughs) if she agreed to describe the painting as similar rather than identical. Good on you, yes. Mm. But I never saw it in press. I think the lawyers might have put their foot down. John, you, as a Beau Morris boy, you should always know that you have to be very careful of people in Brighton. Yeah, indeed. Well, Mm. I did know that, but, you know... Especially for certain gender. But I'd better be careful when I say it. There was money involved, Mark. I know, John, that's always the case, isn't it? Always. That's it? it. Yes, I think so. Great story. Terrifying Uh, Okay, so just to uh, pick up the game a bit, barnacles. (laughs) Barnacles. Sex of barnacles. (laughs) Barnacles are not mollusks. They're crustaceans. Are they? They are. And the the male... Um, barnacle's penis is seven times longer than its body. Yeah, but before we get into that part, what that is the aspect. point of that? <laughs> what is the point? Well, of that? they don't move very far, so I guess the you know they, oh, they they've have got to reach. To, they have to reach, and got you. so it's seven times longer. So than a barnacle grows. Like, 
this is what we would be familiar with growing on the bottom of a boat or on a pier or... Um, if you're going around looking for barnacles, penises, good luck, John. I've not no, no, I just, I'm just interested in knowing exactly what a barnacle is. You know, yeah, those so, things that they set their shells against a yeah, rock or yeah. on a whale's so stomach. So it's not a mollusk because it's not in two parts and isn't a, doesn't feed by filtering or it does well, feed by filtering? I didn't filtering. go into the... the actually, no. there's a book you can buy, John, called um, Extraordinary Things You Didn't Know About the Sea. Oh, yeah. It's Atlantic Press. I'll tell you a bit about mollusks. And you, this is where I've got some because they were reviewing it. Well, they, don't they, when you see them, they have a, the bit that comes out of them has a carapace. So they're a bit of a mix in a way because I think a mollusk, mollusk doesn't have a skeleton. Right. And, Which is what a... Um, and the, a, a, a but they, and they'll be inside o- shells. Octopuses are mollusks. But, an, but, but a barnacle does have a shell, but it also has a carapace. I saw an incredible film about Spanish... Um, Men who collected them on the down at Finisterre, which is that place in Galicia where they mm. anyway they're they're absolutely delicious. I've eaten them mm. there, but it's death-defying stuff. Okay, so um, and herrings, herrings, main, uh, herrings oh. their main form of communication is farting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Do yours. Do they have penises? <laughs> no, John. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're asking all these questions. I don't know. And pearlfish live only in an anus. A sea cucumbers is prime real estate, apparently. Right, okay. Oh. So this is what you can all find this out in the... Uh, it's called It's called Tom Hurd's uh, Blowfish Insight Oceanpedia. <laughs> Do you know what so, I found out about under the sea, Mark? What's that, John? I found this out by watching Adventures in Paradise after mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. If you go under the water, you're bound to get your foot stuck in a giant clam. <laughs> yes. All right, well, look, I'm going to deal with Joseph... Johann Johann Gutenberg before it gets too late. Yes, okay. Um, oh, so yeah, good. printing. Yeah, printing. Uh, like he was born in 1400, died in 1468. He was a blacksmith, goldsmith, printer, and publisher. Now, apparently, yeah. blacksmiths were often they were because they were dealing with metal. They were quite interested in chemicals, in in, in innovation because they got a bit sick of alchemy, slamming anvils. So um, he, as we all know, created the movable type, which before was um, yeah. wooden, you know, printed. Where the Japanese and the Chinese had um, wooden blocks, wooden blocks, which was long and expensive. But are we, the, the first printing presses were made out of wooden blocks. Where they're movable, alphabetic. Yes, but they were they, they were an alloy. The, the actual um, letters were made of an alloy, oh, yeah. which was um, I've got it written here somewhere. But um, you know, he's, he is considered the the instigator of the modern of modern world. He he opened up knowledge to everybody yeah. through the printing and 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 totally changed the world basically. Mm. But what happened was he wasn't very good with money, and he borrowed quite a lot from a man called uh, Johann Zut. And his brother-in-law, and they ended up taking over his printing press because he owed them so much money, and he disappeared. That was it. He made the printing press, opened up the world, and ended up with nothing. It's a story familiar to publishers all around the world. Exactly. So that's it. Oh, are we done, are we? We're done with the short... Well, it was a shortened version. Now, just one more thing. Oh, good. Owls... We're not done at all. We're not done. When he says we're done, he doesn't mean that at all. No, no. Owls have 14 vertebrae. As com- compared to uh, humans who have seven in oh. their neck. Okay. Oh, well, that's why they can swivel their that's heads. That's why they can. Like but do you know do. why they have to swivel their necks so much? Because their eyes can't move. Their eyes are immovable. 
Oh, really? Yes, this is why they have to move their neck. Imagine yeah, so they pain. can see behind themselves. Well, they can see every, anywhere. They can't wow, move their eyes. Wow, they have to move their heads, not their eyes. Yep. Wouldn't you have thought that that was an, an easier evolutionary step is actually to have a few muscles in your eyes rather than build another seven We're a little bit ahead of ours, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to play you a little bit more of that song because I don't think we had enough of it before, which is Everybody's Got to Live by... Uh, a hustler. The hustler. Yeah, the hustler, Arthur Lee. And uh, while we do that, I'm going to get Jess Fairfax on the phone to talk about Café Philosophique des Toilettes. Who hasn't had the opportunity to ponder the musings of fellow patrons on the walls of the bathrooms in our favourite late-night establishments? Some profound, others funny, many crude, and some unintelligible. But our next guest, PBS presenter Jess Fairfax, who presents all our stories with Leah Avini on Mondays, has collated some of her favourite scrawled discoveries to incite a series of spoken word poetry and philosophical conversations at the Alex Theatre in St Kilda. It's called Café Philosophique des Toilettes, and is, which Mark says I say quite well, and is presented by the Little Theatre Company, beginning a weekly event, evening series there on Wednesday nights. Welcome, Jess Fairfax. Um, thanks for talking to us on Arts About. Jess, it's a genre that probably hasn't had a light shone upon it very often, and yet it's given all of us plenty of time and things to think about and a chuckle or two. How did you come up with the concept? Well, funnily enough, I was um, sitting on the toilet in Mario's Cafe. (laughs) (laughs) That has some great ones. I will attest to that. Yeah, they've got some good um, graffiti there. So um, I saw something and I was like, oh, that's really enlightening. Um, and, sorry, I have a screaming baby. <laughs> I'm trying to palm off his father. <laughs> oh dear, never mind. Um, um, yeah, so I saw something and I thought, oh, it's really a bit of a cultural phenomena graffiti. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's quite an interesting thing that we do in terms of late night in the bathroom thinking, I know, I'm going to scribble something on the wall that someone might appreciate. Um, and I thought you could pay a bit of tribute to that. And I kind of was milling around ways to do it, but I'm quite into the um, Melbourne spoken word scene. Yep, which is de- absolutely and, growing, isn't it? Yeah, which is amazing and super insightful. Um, I really, yeah, I'm a big fan of um, particularly, yeah, the local scene and what people come up with and um, yeah, I mean, I don't write that much myself, but I really enjoy listening to, um, yeah, what people have to say. And I think they put things in really eloquent and, um, uh, yeah, just we can learn a lot about ourselves through listening to poetry, I think. So, Jess. I thought it was a, hello? Uh, Obviously, uh, you have to visit toilets in order to read the graffiti, and graffiti is uh, that specific sort of graffiti is written inside toilets because you can shut the door and no one yeah. can see what you're doing, and that will elicit responses as well. So do you visit male toilets as well as female toilets in order to... <gasps> Good get... question, yeah. yes. Because I'll tell um, you that male toilets often, rather than having that kind of witty and... Um, interesting little remark written on the wall, uh, more often than not they've just got an offer of some sort of sort of dalliance. And, <laughs> and a and, phone number. And a phone number, <laughs> yeah. Yes, totally. Well, um, 
my partner was like, I can go into the mail post and take photos for you. Oh, and I okay. was like, oh, you know what? I think it's all right. <laughs> you didn't send him right. into a toilet into, with um, a camera? I would have thought that would be a fantastic opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did go into a, like a shared bathroom, um, which had some gold on there. Um, there was a lot of like tagging and graffiti. But there was a few good quotes amongst all that. Um, yeah, so I really like as well when I curate and program things um, to get artists to create new work. It's something that I'm kind of really passionate about um, doing when I curate things. And so, and I think, you know, a lot of artists, or poets and writers really, or visual artists, anyone really, really like kind of prompts to get them going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, thought I'll give them a quote see what they come out with it. They might, you know, take it somewhere else, but I thought it wouldn't go into that direction. Um, And then I also, when I curate things, really like um, involving the audience somehow in the conversation. Yeah. So, you know, making sure that people go away feeling like they were part of something, which is why we kind of created the Philosophy Cafe um, discussion at the end of the poetry uh, performances. So, yeah. So you've got five. Network. You've got five okay. events that are planned. So, yeah. so how does it work? You've, you've obviously used as inspiration quotes that you have found on toilets. Do yeah. you? Uh, does each evening uh, revolve around a particular piece? Yeah. So each evening has a particular quote. So three poets each evening involving doing the same quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is everybody pooped. <laughs> so a little one to start, but you know things of universality and humanity and um, and then we've got the unfed mind devours itself um, and then what else do souls exist um, oh I like this one there is more to us there's more to me than I once was taught there's more um, to me than what I once was taught uh-huh yep um, and then finally uh, without struggle there is no strength and I just pose that to Poets, like, you can agree or you can not agree or you can think it's rubbish, whatever. It's up to you to, you know, mm. make what you will with it. And who are and the poets? We've got, so there's three each night, so there's 15 in total. So it's a real, um, it's a real mix. Mm-hmm. We've got... Um, are there people that you've, that you've worked with or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've all been, I've been connected with them um, in some way or another. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Emily Zoli Baker, Sean and Will in there sort of more established and then there's like Toomey who's kinda of more in the hip hop thing. Um and uh Tender McFly, he's also more hip hop. We've got like May Jasper who has a more storytelling style. Yeah, there's a pretty big array. Mm. Uh, yeah. Your your sister, who is the artistic director of the Little Theatre Company and my great friend and collaborator and also, yeah. incidentally, the co-founder of Arts About, um, um, the Little Theatre Company are presenting the series at, at the Alex Theatre. Uh, is that... where? What space are you going to be using in the Alex? Um, we're in the foyer, which is pretty fresh. Oh, that's so done that with all the beautiful curtains. that's part of the curtains. reason why I wanted to put this here. Mm-hmm. Was um that yeah it's pretty beautiful space and grand pianos so we've got someone to come play that like wall to wall mirrors and purple carpets and old antiques and um yeah so should be pretty nice in there 
Yeah, well, fantastic. Well, the very first one begins Wednesday the 28th at the Alex Theatre. It's at 8.30. I've got a link up on our Facebook page for anybody that wants to uh, buy tickets. Um, bookings are essential. That You need to go to the Alex Theatre um, uh, website to to buy those tickets. As, as I said, I'll put a link on the Facebook page. It sounds fabulous. I'm not going to get to all of them, but I'm definitely going to come to one or two. Jess, it sounds terrific. Um, thanks for talking to us today, and I'm sorry that it was, it was very distracting for you because I can hear your little one in the background who's very unhappy. Yeah, he's right. He needs a nap. I thought he's sleeping by now. Wonderful to talk to you and uh, look forward to seeing, it, seeing how it goes. All right. Thank you. Bye, Jess. Bye. Okay. Well, uh, as you can imagine, it is time for the news, everybody. Lovely. Now, before the news begins, I would just like to... Oh, yes? ...to thank... Amanda Baird for a lovely party that she <gasps> held she on Sunday. And her little song and dance number, number was very impressive. I think there's a career ahead for her there. We and had a great time. Yeah, so I want to send her all my love to, to Amanda. Yeah, and, and happy birthday, birthday, Amanda. Yes. Uh, we have uh, we've been talking about lots of things this week. We've had uh, uh, Danny Lacey from the Mornington Peninsula Gallery talking about play on the art of sport, which opens at the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery on the second of March, running through to twenty ninth of April. I'm utterly unprepared for this. Oh, of course, okay, so. of course. A woman's place is on at Southern Peninsula Art Centre. That is, we we spoke to Cara Pachulo last week about that event, uh, and it's a series of workshops and theatre pieces and films that all celebrating women's role in the world. Uh, right. Commencing with Moth, which uh, Robin was talking about uh, right. a little bit earlier on in the show, and uh, he, as he was leaving, he said, "Oh, I don't know whether I said that it was at Southern." Peninsula Art Centre on the corner of Bonio Road and uh, Eastbourne. Yep. Yep. So Bridget Thomas's show is still on uh, Fish and Ships, which I saw. It's a lovely show. She's it is a good show, yeah. Quite a lot, so if you want to get in... Uh, uh, today's the last day, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you want to go along and have a look okay. and you haven't seen it, well, you should. It is, um, yes, it's lovely hanging show. for the last day today. And as we just heard from Jess Fairfax, Café Philosophique des Toilettes, uh, begin their weekly conversations and poetry-inspired by the Peninsula Chamber Musicians uh, 2018 concert oh, series. Oh, no, I missed that. That, that, is, that is actually a mix-up of things. Yeah, it sure is. Yes, I'm sorry. I Can have... I give you a, a not a mix-up of a little bit of graffiti? I know I told you one last week. Yes, have you got another one? Well, there was one in the uh, Town Hall Toilets. was there for a long time. I think at one stage it was going to be like the door was going to be removed and kept somewhere and someone mm -hmm. scratched on the inside of it. And does it go? Here I sit, broken-hearted, paid a penny, and only farted. Oh yes, that is. That's it. a famous one. That's, That's an oldie yeah, but a goodie. Old, that yeah. one, yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, yes, what the uh, Cafe Philosophique de Toilette, which I, I've, I've mixed it up, and John was trying to read my terrible typing, is on at the Alex Theatre. It opens on Wednesday the twenty eighth, uh, and if you're interested to go along, uh, it's every Wednesday for the next five weeks at least. Uh, but you need to contact the Alex Theatre to get tickets. So um, uh, the Peninsula Champion Musicians 2018 concert series begins next weekend on the afternoon of March the 3rd and 4th with power and intricacy of the Baroque era, era with Bach, Brandon's, uh, mm, concerto. Bach's Brandenburg's Concerto Number no. 5. It's interesting how a unfamiliar studio can uh, I know, we throw ripples through the <laughs> morning's performance. It has. Yes, Sometimes they're better do. than others. So that's that's on Saturday the 3rd of March, 2pm, yes, uh, and uh, Sunday the 4th. 
March. Uh, of March. Yes, it is, but it's at two different venues. Okay. Yeah. It's at the All Saints Anglican Church in Rosebud or um, on Saturday the 3rd of March and Sunday the 4th it's at the Peninsula Community Theatre in Mornington. Um, you can get tickets through Tribooking. I'll put a link again up on our Facebook page and uh, to, to lead you towards that. But there, it's featuring harpsichordist David McFarlane and it's got Brandenburg's Concerto Number no. 5, Vivaldi's Concerto for Two Cellos and concludes with a whole orchestra performing Beethoven's Symphony Number no. 4. So that's pretty fabulous. Coming up on the 23rd of March, John Baird at Art House Gallery in Sydney. Oh, that's exciting. Paintings. And, the exhibition's called Regatta. Fabulous. It's a nice word, regatta. It is a nice word. It makes me think of flags. Mark Nichols, painter, sculpture, he has an exhibition that's opening on March the 6th at 45 downstairs. He's also got a piece that's been included in the Montalto Prize, which opened on the 25th. I'm really looking forward to seeing that in situ. And also, I think he's got an exhibition coming up a little bit later than that at Merrick's General Store. So I'm going to have him on the show next week to talk about those things. And um, But in the meantime, just to alert you, if you want to go down to Montalto, um, the prize there opened on the 25th. There'll be a whole lot of things to have a look at. If you've just tuned in, you've missed Arts About. What have you been doing? Um, you can hear the repeat on Wednesdays at 12 or listen to the podcast on the station website. Uh, we'll be on again, same time again next week, which is 11 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, go to our Facebook page to find links about things we've talked about today or hear about what's coming up as well. And remember, everybody, we may not know everything about art. You know what we like? We like some green paintings. Yeah, I quite like a green painting. I do I like do. green. Yeah, Why do people like green paintings? No idea. 